is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Got it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Pump the brakes! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is a game day Saturday in Lincoln, the home opener for Husker football for the 2023 season. It's a big day. It's a very big day. It is a big day. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stevens. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And, and, and hey, it is a big day, hopefully, because it's going to be Matt Rule's first win. Uh, it's a big day because those coaches are, are geeking out over coaching in Memorial Stadium. They are. They I just, are. I eat that stuff up. I, I, I believe that's genuine. And we've, we've honestly, we've seen that from a few uh, assistants and, and head coaches over the last few, uh, the last few seasons, too. So it's, it's always fun to see. It's always fun to see that excitement come out from from the guys who are leading the program absolutely and and so that that part of it's cool and it's it's i mean not everybody started with two power five programs this season so from that aspect it it will hopefully be good to get a little bit of good vibes going for this team that would they need they need a lot of confidence to say the least they need a lot of confidence they have it in certain places certain guys i think probably feeling pretty confident but uh, man, they they just need some good things to happen at, from a team perspective so that they can kind of get the ball rolling a little bit here. That would have been a good stat to find. How many other teams have began their season with Power 5 opponents? That would have been I, – I don't know. Can you name any off the top, off top of your head? Can you name any? I can, I can probably maybe just look and see if I can – I don't. We don't need to. But yeah, just, well, I mean, just off the top of your head, I well, can't you're really talking. Think I'll ignore anyone. you and I'll look it up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> Here's, well, I will say this. I wrote this in uh, my three keys column, which you can read before the game today. It's uh, on HuskerMax.com. Uh, I write three things that Nebraska needs to do to win the game before every game. I did it for Minnesota. I did it for Colorado, and I compared the Nebraska offense. To and you were kind of talking about this a little bit, getting into a rhythm and, and and whatever. I compared the Nebraska offense to an NBA sharpshooter who is on a cold streak, mm-hmm. and all they need to do, and all that sharpshooter needs to do, is to see that ball go through the basket just once. They just need to see the ball go through the basket once, and then they get their confidence. Even like. Even on a free throw. Even on a free throw. Just watch the ball go through the basket off your hands, and you have that understanding like, hey, it's okay. I can do this. I can I can I can shoot free throw. I, I can shoot the ball. I can score. That's what Nebraska needs today. Nebraska needs a win here just for them to say, Hey, we can play winning football. We can see the ball go through the basket. And unfortunately, Unlike other teams in their conference, they have not been given that opportunity to see that ball go through the basket. They have been not get, have not been been given that opportunity to play non Power Five opponents, hence lesser opponents, to just get a win and just to see how things roll. Week one in any sort of football is when you get the kinks out. It's hard to get the kinks out against Minnesota. It's even harder to get more kinks out against a ranked Colorado team in a in a thunderous Folsom Stadium. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, one popped out to me immediately that we should have known. Colorado. They what? played TCU and then they played Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, dummy. That that's that's one. Um, I'll I'll, and they I'll won continue to look. And they've won both. I will. Uh, I'll continue to look and see if I can find uh, another. Let me, but l- let me tell you something right now. Credit to Deion Sanders, man. He went out there, and he's got four, maybe five NFL players on on that offense on in skill positions. Not just, I mean, you can Alabama and Michigan. They probably have more right within the line and and, and whatever. But they have 
all their skill guys are elite. Jimmy Horn, Weaver, Edwards, Hunter, Shador Sanders. I mean, Shiloh Sanders probably is a back-end secondary draft pick as well, uh, who's who's younger and who's developing. They, mm-hmm. they got a really good team. And, and let me tell you something right now. At the beginning of the season, Matt Rule said Jeff Sims is an NFL quarterback. Just to have a little bit of basis here, you want to know what an NFL quarterback in this modern day and age looks like? It looks like Shador Sanders. I'm just going to say it right now. Shador Sanders is the model NFL quarterback in today's game. And so if you ever think that you have a quarterback that's an NFL caliber, watch Colorado compare and contrast because he was so impressive. He, I will say, Tony White gave him some fits. I mean, they were able... They gave a lot of multiple looks, and the, and the D-line was able to get to them. Eight sacks. Yeah. They now Nebraska's now tied with Tennessee for sacks in the NCAA, which is an incredible accomplishment so far through two games this season. But Colorado's a good team, man. Credit to them. We doubted them. I doubted them big time. They're a good team. Oh, just just ask just ask Coach Sanders. He'll tell you everybody doubted them. And, and, and I, they I did. They no, did. I, I don't disagree. And, and, and you know what? Look, college football – is basically Dion's world, and we're all just living in it at this point. Um, by the way, I hate it here, but it is what it is, and and so everybody's going to need to eat that loss, uh, and and he's going to remind everybody that they need to eat that loss, uh, and and yeah, Colorado does appear to be the only other Power Five school to have played two Power Five schools yeah. to begin the season, and hey, good for them, they won. Um, it, let's let's talk more about that defense, though. I I want to dig into what this team is. I want to look a little bit at the big picture, and then I want to zoom in a little bit on 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 sure. what we what we've seen and and what we expect from the rest of the season as well. Defensively, I I will be the first to say, and I've I think I said this last week after the the opener against Minnesota. I'll be the first to say I was wrong about the defensive line. I don't think I was wrong to be worried about it, but I didn't think they were going to be very good. I was wrong. Ty Robinson was the only guy who started this season on the defensive line with more than two career starts to his name. They had some transfers, they had some true freshmen, and they had some guys that have been on the roster that they needed to take some pretty significant jumps. Check, check, check. Yeah. Uh, Nash Hutmaker has been extremely impressive. Blaze Gunderson as well. Cam Lenhart has taken his job by the throat, and he's not giving it back. He will be on the field as long as he is healthy and as long as he wants to uh, at Nebraska the way he has played this freshman season. Uh, Riley Van Poppel has gotten some action. He P. Has. Will has gotten some action. Kai Wallen has gotten some action. They've, they've gotten contributions from a lot of players on that defensive line, and it has really given their defense solid play at all three levels. I mean, you don't – I don't know what the weakness is in this defense – they they have not taken the ball away a ton. They've got one turnover, non garbage time this season in two games, and they they've given up the big play in some some tough spots. The end of the Minnesota game, and when that game was teetering the third quarter against Colorado. Other than that, I mean, they just kind of ran out of gas when they when it was clear the offense had nothing to give. You can't really say yeah. too much bad. I I expect them to come out and really limit Northern Illinois t- today, and. I expect them to do that to a lot of teams this season. The question is, do they get the support offensively to translate it into wins? The defense, hats off to them. Black shirts are are doing the job. Tony White and and Terrence Knighton, everybody who is contributing to that, uh, job well done so far, and and hopefully that continues. Hopefully they stay healthy and just build upon it. I'll give you one weakness. I agree with everything you just said, by the way. I mean, D-line's playing incredible. I will, I will give a lot of credit, though, to... Um, the secondary, because I think a lot of those sacks that the D-line is getting is kind of, sort of coverage sacks. I mean, there were yep. a couple for sure when just quarterbacks had nothing to do, had nowhere to throw to it, and they, the secondary knows that defensive system really well and at times looks like a blanket. Mm-hmm. There have been some systematic breakdowns. That's going to happen on defense, though. You're, there's no such thing as a perfect defense, especially when you're playing zone as much as these guys are playing zone. I will give you a weakness. Third downs. Yes. I wrote I wrote about this. Uh, 120th out of 132 teams in the country on opponent third down conversion rate. Opponents are converting third downs 51% of the time against this Nebraska defense. The curious thing, though, is 
And I actually, because I'm a psycho, I went through every single play mm-hmm. on the Colorado and the Minnesota game on a log. You know, we get a nice play log after every yep. game. I went through the log, and I, I was like, I feel like a lot of these third and fourth downs that are being converted aren't third and five, third and six. There, there was a lot of long third downs. Colorado especially. I was right. Three third and eights converted with Minnesota, a third and nine, and a fourth and ten were converted. That's five different third down conversions of at least in that game yards. of at least eight yards in that right. game. Uh, Colorado, they had two third and nines, they had a third and fifteen, and they yeah. had a third and sixteen. So it's not like these guys aren't putting themselves in great situations to get off the field. They just can't do it. And now I think that. Some of it is to do with with play calling and also positioning. I think that during Minnesota, I saw it more than anything where the the cornerbacks weren't on the sticks. They they were a little bit too far off, and there were plenty of curl routes and and, and crosses where they were just able to kind of quick throw, get it out quick, don't let that D line get there, and then try and make you know one of these defensive backs make an open field tackle. But sometimes when you're so far off like that, and you throw something real quick, you're going to have space to move anyway and just get the first down. That third and 15, I think, look, I write another article called The Turning Point. There were two. The, my turning point was that fumble on the, tw- on the Colorado 25 that went off of uh, Lindenmeyer, and then they had to Backed kick them the, up and miss the field goal. And miss the field goal. That was my turning point. The other one that I almost wrote, though, it was 13-6 to six, uh, with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. The with Tommy the thir- Hill play. And the Tommy Hill play. Yep. And they sent the house. They just sent the house on Shador. And he was a statue. And he was a statue. And it's just, honestly, when you have that many sacks up to the game and you've only been really sending four or five guys, I didn't really see the need to send seven in the way that they did. But that's but that's me being armchair coach. Those guys have forgotten more football than I know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, all this to say, it is a great defense that could be one of the best defenses in the country. And it's a defense, in my opinion, that has the ability to single-handedly keep you in games, which it kind of did against Colorado Mm -hmm. until your offense was just mute, until it just couldn't do anything. But it, it is a defense that has the ability to be one of the best in the country if they can just get off the field. I'm not so worried about who cares how many turnovers you get if you're only allowing 18 points a game? It's just your offense better be able to score 20, which this offense cannot do. Yeah, it, if you if you aren't getting turnovers, you got to get off the field on third down. If you aren't getting off the field on third down, you got to create turnovers. You can't have both. No, uh, and, and, and if you do, and if you do have both, you're just one of the best defenses ever. Right. Just period. Yeah. So, and and I know we've got to get a, a break here. Yeah. Um, but. Real quick on the offense, I, I let me ask while you while they've while they've had the turnover issues, sure, and that that is such a blinding light to shine right in your face that you can't see any of the rest of it. It's it's so overwhelms the situation that I just don't think we get a very clear picture of what else is going on. Look, you can't have four turnovers per game. You you can't. That being said, Nebraska's running it fairly well. And they've run it against two teams that are in the Power Five and one team that is traditionally a top 20 run and total defense in Minnesota. They're sitting 36th nationally, 201 yards per game. If they can just hold on to the freaking ball, I think they can get some stuff done. Because if you stay on schedule, you put Jeff Sims in situations where maybe you can just call a little draw on a third and two. Maybe you just call a quick out so he doesn't have to go to two, three reads. You put him in situations where he can be successful. You can't keep doing this third and seven, third and eight thing and expect Nebraska to be able to convert and move the ball. We're we're not we're not going to get until Northern Illinois until later in the show, yeah. and we'll talk about the quarterback situation. And you can kind of bump me out here, but in the press conferences, Rule said turnover margin, turnover margin, turnover margin. Even gave stats about 
when when Nebraska wins the turnover margin to when they don't win the turnover margin compared to when they win or lose games, right? Our friend John Bishop at 1620 The Zone does a great job with those statistics as well, showing how important the turnover margin is. I know for a fact that that's not just some press conference hubbubaloo. That is a legitimate message that he's been sending to his team week in and week out. We have to win the turnover margin. Their turnover margin through two games is minus six. It is the worst in the country. It is the worst in the country. Yep. You're not going to win games having the worst turnover margin in the country. They know it. They got to clean that up. And head coach or office coordinator Mark Satterfield says, we got to fight like hell to do it. I hope they are because if they keep turning the ball over like they are, they're not going to win one game this year. You got to run, yeah. You got to run ball security drills in practice like your job that, depends on. That's it. not an exaggeration. If you keep turning the ball over the way they are, it's going to be hard to win one or two games, let alone this six-game bowl thing that everyone has on their mind. I agree. Um, hey, we're going to talk a lot of uh, Husker football today as they hit it, take on Northern Illinois at 6. Uh, pre-game starts at 2 here on KLIN. But next segment, uh, we are going to dig into volleyball. Top 5 showdown. The Huskers took down uh, a rival. Uh, uh, they're, they're way over there on the West Coast, but they haven't beat them for a while, uh, including a national championship game fairly recently, and they did it. We're going to talk about it. We're also talking to Jeff Sheldon from Volleyball State, the new podcast through podcast media uh, we're going to be talking some volleyball right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Earlier this week, it was a top five showdown out in Stanford. Nebraska volleyball had not taken down the Cardinal uh, in their last five tries, including the 2018 national championship match and Nebraska won and won emphatically. They didn't sweep Stanford, but they dominated the match. No question about it. No question about it. And, and the right they, team, the right team won that match. That's I would, just, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's, that's a fair way to characterize the right team won. Yeah, absolutely. The way that Nebraska won though. And, and I think the fourth set was was pretty emblematic of it because that was the most I think competitive back and forth like the third set Stanford kind of had that lead and could kind of took it Nebraska same with their first two the the third the fourth set was the the closest matched up and that's the one where you kind of get that home crowd going you think oh oh hey if we get this fourth then we go to a set five who knows what happens in set five and and the team that gets those first two kind of has the pressure put back on them all of a sudden and they just kept winning those rallies they kept getting the big defensive play it was the block it was uh they had a couple aces i think mixed in in that fourth set and the rally where laney showboy chases one down all the way to the back line you don't think there's any way that she's going to make it there lexi rodriguez gets it nebraska gives him a free ball and they hit it too far and harper murray just slams the door shut that was emblematic of the whole match and the way that the the freshmen are playing this season, it, it I, I go back to that comment we had from Lincoln Arley Neal. You you asked him if it was the most talented roster that John Cooks had here. He said yes. It sounded crazy to think of all the national champion yeah. and all the success that they've had. That this team with this many freshmen is the most talented. I I think he's right. I think he is because right. They are learning on the fly. They are starting. They are playing significantly. And they are still playing a very difficult non-conference. And then we're going to get into the Big Ten. The way that you are seeing, uh, you are seeing um, Harper Murray and Andy Jackson and Laney Showboy and uh, and and Bergen Riley, especially et cetera. They have yes. they have superstars as true freshmen at at multiple positions on the floor. It is incredible to watch. They really have, and I think the question was with this young team, could these freshmen go and could they, even though they're inexperienced, can they go and perform? At the Big Ten Media Day, and I'll give you two Big Ten Media Day quotes from John Cook because they stuck with me. Yeah. He goes, a young, a young pup doesn't, is still going to bite. They don't know that they're young. They're still going to bite. They're still going to be aggressive. I mean, that's what they are. They don't know that they're young. They're just out there playing volleyball. They're having a great time. And you mesh that with, here's the thing. You want to call this team young and say, 
Becca Alec is young and Lexi Rodriguez is young. I mean, I guess Lexi Rodriguez is a junior, but you want to say, oh, they're young. All these players that you're calling young that aren't freshmen have played full volleyball seasons, have played full Big Ten seasons. They know what they're doing, their experience. So you you got these freshmen who have astoundingly come in and performed at such a high level at such a young age, and you mix that in with other young players who've already had the experiences that they're going through, they have a lot of depth. I mean, they have a lot of people. And, like, that's so, waves. that's so weird to say for a team that really only has two upperclassmen in, in Merritt Beeson and Lexi Rodriguez, where it's so weird to say that, but, like, you can throw in Lindsey Krause. You can throw in... Uh, uh, Lindsey Crowdsy, Becca Alec, like mixed in with Andy Jackson and Harper Murray, Kennedy that or, uh, Kennedy Orr. I mean, she hasn't really seen seen the four a lot because Bergen Riley is such a good setter. And then you also have just Laney Choboy. I mean, just not getting as much playing time as Jackson or Murray or Riley, but it, it, significant role on the defensive end. And, and really, is a you talk about Lexi Rodriguez, how great of a defender she is. Lenny Choboy is right there, and they're a perfect complement to each other. I mean, nothing's hitting the ground when those two are on the floor. So it is a well-balanced, well-mixed team with a lot of depth uh, that even has players hidden on the roster. Allie Badenhorst is still a really good volleyball player who has taken a back seat. And it's kind of one of those things where even if one of your main players gets hurt, you still know that you got Allie Badenhorst who can come in during a game and give you solid, you know, solid minutes and solid what do you, points and even if, you know, so they got they just have yeah. a lot of depth, they're really good at volleyball. I watched that game against Stanford, they dominated. Uh and I absolutely agree with you in that fourth set. It really showed the character of the team uh just because you were a little nervous that it would go to 5 after being up to not just being up to oh, dominating. Yeah. Dominating that second set after it was a close first set. So, they're really impressive. Sky's the limit for them. Uh, I will say this before we get to our interview here. Um, John Cook said, Big Ten press conference, that he believes that the Big Ten is harder to win than the national championship. Than the national championship. He said that more than more yeah. than once, yes. And it's the first time I heard him say it, and I really don't disagree with him. And so, and Bobby Knight said it too when he was coaching at Indiana, coaching basketball, that mm-hmm. Big Ten is harder to win the national championship. This is all fun and games. This is all great to talk about. This is incredible. They're playing great volleyball. It, it's a national championship caliber team. You got to play the Big Ten first. Oh, yeah. So let's, you know, we're we're happy now, but let's there's, be specific. Let's be specific. You got to play Wisconsin. You got to play Wisconsin, number one team. That's in the really for what a it reason. is. So yeah, and and Wisconsin part of the uh, most watched or most attended. Indoor, yeah, volleyball. Hey, good. Match that's great, man. That's great. At Marquette, it's great. Or, Marquette hosted it, and it was yeah. At Pfizer, was, hey, yeah, that Pfizer. that you ever you got to go to the Pfizer Forum, Cole. It's honestly one of the best arenas that I've ever been to. Seriously, I went to my dad a couple of times. Yep, they're incredible. It's an incredible. Yep. It's like the Death Star almost. It's like it's <laughs> so well put together. I've got Terrible go. food though, but they have a Chick Fil A. They have Chick Fil A in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of buddies who live in Milwaukee. I might have to make that You happen. have to. No, it's that good of a state. One nugget, and then we'll get to Jeff Sheldon here from Volleyball State Podcast. Uh, this was the first regular season road win for Nebraska against a top five team since 2017 when they won at wow. Penn State. Nebraska's last national championship, Matt. Oh. 2017. There you go. Just saying. All right, Jeff Sheldon, Volleyball State, is going to talk more about this uh, incredible top four national champion contender volleyball team right after this here on the KLI on Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Husker Volleyball is rolling right now, undefeated, top four, uh, just won their first top five match since the last season they won a national championship. And uh, one of the guys who knows this program well is covered from the Omaha World Herald, now the Co-host of the Volleyball State podcast, here through Podcast Media, Podcast House Media, uh, is Jeff Sheldon joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Jeff, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. We yeah. we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, just real quick, Volleyball State, you're you're a part of the podcast family. Uh, just kind of give us a quick rundown on, on how that is and. Uh, 
to be on the same airwaves or be on the same medium as as the almighty and powerful Oscar Hour. Well, they, they give just about anyone a podcast these days. Right? <laughs> it's, it's the great do-it-yourself media, which is how we kind of ended up starting uh, to do Volleyball State. But yeah, you can find our stuff pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, new episodes come out on Mondays. You can find us on Apple. Uh, we're up on Spotify now. You can also go to VolleyballState.com, and it goes right to our page at Podcast House Media. So we're grateful for the Podcast House Media folks for giving us a chance and giving us a home. And, yeah, we, uh, we've got two episodes up right now that are, look back through the first two weekends of the season. Of course, the episode this Monday, we'll be talking about Nebraska's big win over Stanford and then whatever happens on, uh, on Sunday when the Huskers host Kentucky as well. Yeah, well, let's, let's dig into some of that content you'll uh, share with your listeners on Monday. That Stanford match uh, was something else, especially that fourth set when, when Nebraska kind of started feeling that pressure from uh, the home crowd there for Stanford, and, and they, just, they just took it and, and grabbed it and, and, and won it really impressively. What, is, what, what sticks out to you the most about this team? Is it the freshmen? Is it the defense? Mm-hmm. Is it, what about this has been most impressive to you in this 8-0 start? Yeah, I think, you know, you probably do have to start with the freshmen because um, the the freshmen have, have come in and, and they're kind of playing the way you thought maybe the freshman class a couple years ago was going to play. They have the same kind of accolades, the same kind of national ranking, but but these uh, this freshman class is living up to their to their rankings right away. And they're playing you know, well beyond their years. And part of that is because I think they were they all arrived back in January. They've been part of this program for nine months before they even you know, step foot on a court for an official match. Uh, they went and played their matches in Brazil on an exhibition swing where they played a week together. So this is, you know, they're not your typical freshman, either in talent or in experience. But for a group of kids like that to go on the road in Stanford, like not a snake pit, right? There's 3,300 fans there and uh, school hasn't even started for Stanford yet. But still, you go on the road against a team that good and you play on their floor and really, you control the match. Like, this wasn't a blowout by any means, but, but Nebraska was not really ever in trouble uh, in this match. In fact, they took control of game four kind of right, uh, right away, held them off midway through, and made some incredible plays near the end of game four to win it. But this is a team that looks like, at least as of right now, it's not phased by anything. And you mentioned their defense earlier. The, the defensive effort, both at the net and sort of in the back row, is is right up there with some of the best Nebraska defenses that I've seen. They lead the nation in opponent hitting percentage by not a small margin. They held Stanford well over 100 points under their season average. And this team, you know, you have to bring your A game when you play offensively because with the kids they've got at the net and in the back row, they can really shut you down. You got three freshmen out there who really are um... – producing at a very high level and you talked you just talked about as as a whole right well really four who are getting consistent playing time and you talk about as a whole where not a lot of people might have expected this from them but I, I gotta ask you this is is there one in particular where you're just a little bit surprised by they've taken such a they, they've taken such a grab of their position and played at such a high level is there one of them where you're kind of like I knew they were going to be good but I didn't know it was going to be this good this quickly well, you know, I don't know that I'm surprised that all of them have, have sort of earned the roles that they have, but I feel like the one that was most important to live up to their billing right away is the setter, Bergen Riley, because she's the one who touches the ball on every possession. She's the one who runs the offense, and she's the one who probably um, fulfilled the position of biggest need that they had mm-hmm. uh, coming in. And so when you look at the way that Bergen Riley can run the offense, and, and I need to get better at this too because I don't have the, the best vocabulary to describe why a setter is good. I think there's been some really good stuff written about her locally lately. Um, but, but she's just so poised, and she has, you know, in, in football we would call it with a quarterback arm talent. You know, you can, you can make every throw. You can put the ball where it needs to be when it needs to be there. She's got great um, placement, location, tempo with the balls that she can set. And then she tries to do some – some, I would say, adventurous stuff that, that maybe Nebraska's last couple setters would not have tried and does it really well. Yeah. She puts the ball uh, in the places it needs to be, and she doesn't give anything away, right? Like, she doesn't telegraph where the ball's going. She is very disciplined with her body placement, with her body lean. You, the blockers don't know where the ball's going to go until it leaves her hand, and oftentimes by then it's too late. So I think Bergen Riley's probably the most important freshman that needed to be good right away. And, and she has lived up to her billing, you know, every bit. Jeff Sheldon from Volleyball State Podcast joining us here on the K-Lion Husker Hour. 
they're in a stretch right now, uh, this team, of five straight matches against ranked teams. Kentucky, uh, after this weekend, may not be anymore, but you've got Sanford, Kentucky, and then you start Big Ten play, Ohio State, Minnesota, Purdue. Looking ahead, how is the Big Ten shaping up? Is it as difficult as we kind of all thought it was going to be? Is it uh, even more so? What does it look like on the horizon for the Huskers? Well, I think the Big Ten is always going to be one of, if not the best volleyball conferences in the country. And that's before you you add in USC and UCLA next year. I think there are some teams that you're accustomed to seeing be up at the top of the conference that are having a little bit of a rough start. They're in rebuilding years. Uh, Minnesota got a couple of transfers. I think they are still kind of finding their way. Um, their, Their player of the year, Taylor Landfair, has struggled a little bit an outside hitter, but also what all of these Big Ten teams are doing right now is they're playing other highly ranked teams, which can make you look a little bit worse than you than you really are when you're trying to uh, put things together. So, you know, Ohio State and Minnesota have suffered a couple of losses in the non-conference, but they're also playing teams like Florida and Texas that are really, really good. And so Nebraska, you know, after they, they play Kentucky, and, and Kentucky's had a rough start to the year as well. They're 2-5, and five, but also most of the teams they've played uh, have been ranked. So, you know, Kentucky is going to be no slouch at the Devaney Center on Sunday. Um, you know, even a mid-tier Big Ten team, a, a team that's going to sit fifth, sixth, seventh in the Big Ten, can give you a run for your money. Um, Minnesota and Ohio State both have outstanding outside hitters. Um, they're pretty good defensively, and Nebraska is going to have to work for everything they get against those teams. And one thing you see about uh, with teams that, you know, rely heavily on freshmen is oftentimes, no matter how good they are, how skilled they are, how tough they are. They're just not used to playing at this high level for that long. And so sometime in the middle of the Big Ten season, whether it's October or into early November, they're going to hit a wall a little bit, and they're going to need to to kind of find a new level to go through and, and push through that. Jeff, you know, all this success early in the season, and the team looks really, really good and, and athletic and talented like we've talked about, but I feel like at this point, because it's been so long since you've beaten this team that I'm about to bring up, that everyone – revels in the success and is happy about the success, but knows that there's the big bad wolf in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. that you eventually have to beat. And so I got to ask you, have you watched Wisconsin and and what have you seen from them? If you have thus far this season, I've watched Wisconsin a little bit. I actually um, caught a little bit of their match the the other night when they played uh, Marquette um, and, and set the new indoor NCAA volleyball attendance record. Um, Wisconsin is really good. You know, I, I can't lie there. They they have outstanding attackers. Um, they they brought in some big time transfers uh, over the last couple of years that have really shored them up. You know, Sarah Franklin started her career at Michigan State. She's their best attacker uh, right now. And then they add Temi Thomas Alara from Northwestern, who is Northwestern's best attacker, and she's probably the third option on this Wisconsin team. Um, Wisconsin runs a six-two, so sometimes. You know, they have so many attackers, they, they run a two-setter offense, so they can rotate in more attackers, and that can leave you maybe a little bit inconsistent. Nebraska ran into that a little bit last year when they were running a 6-2. But, I mean, Wisconsin leads the Big Ten in scoring and hitting percentage. Um, they are a pretty good defensive team, and, and they can kind of put balls away in any rotation, just like that Stanford team that Nebraska played um, the other night. So I think Wisconsin – uh, if, if odds existed for the Big Ten title, is probably still looked at as the team to be. But it's going to be a really fun match when Nebraska and Wisconsin, you know, get together because I think this Husker team has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, they they know what their record is against Wisconsin lately. Wisconsin won the national championship a couple years ago, and so you know, it, this is going to be a really interesting kind of contrast too between the experience of Wisconsin and kind of the um, the youth and exuberance of Nebraska. Absolutely. Jeff, you've been covering Husker volleyball since our days in college. Uh, we got about 45 seconds. What's it been like for you to see between Volleyball Day in Nebraska, other attendance and ratings records we've seen? What's it been like to see the growth for this sport? Yeah, we're actually going to talk about this a little bit on uh, Volleyball State on Monday. Just this year, and in particular, seems like the sport's having a moment. It's breaking attendance records all over the place. It's getting more national TV exposure breaking TV, um, viewing records. The national championship match this year is going to be on broadcast TV. It's not just going to be on ESPN, but it's going to be on ABC. And I think this really shows, you know, why you and me are spending time on on the radio show talking about it now, why podcasts are popping up. Uh, there's more media covering this program than ever before. Um, it's the fastest growing sport as far as high school participation for girls. And, you know, this really feels like a moment for volleyball. 
Yeah, great stuff. Go subscribe to Volleyball State. Uh, Jeff Sheldon and Lincoln Arneal uh, do great work. Uh, Jeff, we appreciate the time. Uh, always good to chat with you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Jeff. All right, that's Jeff Sheldon. Uh, we've uh, yeah, we we get that Kentucky match Saturday, and then it's on to Big Ten play. That's it's going to be a grind as it always is. This this team looks good. I think it's uh, the the team that I've watched the most since I've been here uh, as a student at, yeah. at the college. It's a nice, it's a good team to watch. They're really talented, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I know I've learned now from all the very smart people we've talked to, like Jeff and and like the other volleyball people we've talked to on the show. The Big Ten Big Ten's a monster. Yes, you know, and it's all about. What you can do, and Jeff talked about hitting that wall, and how do you break through that wall, and how do you get through those tough games? Well, the the biggest test is yet to come yeah, for yeah. for this team. Circle October twenty first and on November twenty fourth. Those are the two matchups with Wisconsin. Perhaps another one after that. All right, uh, back after this, uh, back to football here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Jeff Sheldon, just joined us uh, from Volleyball State, does that podcast, the new podcast from Podcast House Media uh, with Lincoln Arneal, who joined us a few weeks back. Uh, if, you have, if you missed that uh, or any of our shows, you can always head to our podcast feed, you can find us on any podcast app of choice, the KLI and Husker Hour. Just search it. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at KLI and Huskers. We've got the Facebook Live going right now this morning for you. Um, so switching gears back to football, everybody going to take a deep breath. Okay, let's talk about football again. Let's get to talk about volleyball. They're really good. They have awesome players, and here we are talking about I don't know about that. It's game day. We, we can be a little bit more excited. I mean, look. If, well, if we're this, talking about a top five team, if, and now we're if, going if, to the bottom. If they, were playing, if they were playing Nebraska in the big – or they were playing Michigan in the big house right now, maybe that would be the, the mood. Or like even us. fast forward two weeks from now, I mean, you get to test yourself against one of the top teams in the country – in your in your stadium though, yeah, well, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit of a different vibe. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's still more excitement there. But you're right. Yeah, I no, I happiness. Okay. We went from depression am... to happiness. <laughs> now we're back to depression. I am excited to get to the stadium tonight because it's been a while. Memorial Stadium still is. It's it's still the. I, I, I put I, this in. I put this in my pregame piece. Um, that you can find on Husker Max. It is still one of the college football meccas. Well, you, I have taken it for granted many times in my turn in my time here in Lincoln, but it is still goosebumps, uh, vibes, whatever you want to call it. It is legit. It is still a legit experience, even when the team is not lived up to the experience. You know what I call it? I call it the Sistine Chapel of football. That's what go. it is. No, it's always great yeah. to be back. What time are you getting there? By the way, we'll be sitting. I think we'll be sitting together. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'll probably get there like around four thirty. I'm gonna really. I'm so excited to have free food, dude. I'm so excited <laughs> to have a free meal. Tell me you're in college get without that, telling get me you're that in college. Halftime popcorn, you yeah. know, every time Gary Sharp's like, hey, can you get me one? I go, yes, Gary, I can yes, get you yes, one. That's, that's, yes, that's what course, happens. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably get there on four. Let's talk about well. the game, though. I got a question for you, Cole. Yeah. That you don't know the answer to. You know the answer to the second one. Okay. Because we don't know it yet. Is Jeff Sims playing? I think he's going to play. And it, and. If he doesn't, how on the we are F's, F'd scale, 1 to 10, are we? If he plays? If he doesn't play. Oh, if he doesn't play. Oh, well, okay. So let's start with Sims. If he's healthy enough to play, do you start him? I think that's the question yes. that most people are asking. Yes. I would say, yes, you start him. But Short leash. Give me a little Heinrich Harburg no matter how he plays. Okay. I want to see it. I don't mind that. I want to see it. I don't mind that. Number one, Jeff Sims, yes, he's turned it over a lot. Too much. And and you could even argue that he's the reason Nebraska lost their first two games. He cost Nebraska both of those two games with all six turnovers when both games were in doubt. That being said, you only have Sims, Harburg, and Purdy as scholarship guys for this season. If, if you think Sims is the best guy, this can be a confidence builder for him. You can run the same stuff, and you'll probably have more success. You're not going against a Power 5 defense. 
You're not going against guys who are more talented than you in certain positions like tra- like trying to throw against Travis Hunter for Colorado or Trevor Newman against Minnesota. You can get him right. Now, the drawback is it may not matter who the opponent is. He may just be a turnover machine, and he may do it again, and he may cost Nebraska the game. I don't know. I don't think that'll happen. But I think you still need to get him out there if he's healthy and get some confidence built back up, even if you intend to to give Harburg the chance, and if Harburg plays well enough, you give him the job. I don't know what the, what the strategy will be for Rule and Satterfield going forward, but I think if he's healthy, you play him. And like I said, if if you do see Harburg, show him or show us what he can do with his arm. Both guys can run it. We know that. One of them stumbled a lot while running it or or just catching the snap. But I want to see what Harburg can do in the pass game. Give him a couple of plays, rep him a lot this week in practice, which I hope they did because practice is already over. If Matt Rule, you're listening, sorry, this is advice for next week. I hope they repped him a lot in, in, in a few pass plays that they want to run specifically for this game to see what it looks like in the game. Is he executing the same way in the games as he does in practice? Is he better in the games than he is in practice? That stuff matters. So I want to see it. They see it in practice. Show the rest of us. That's what I'm asking for. I don't think they wanted to take out Jeff last week against Colorado because they didn't want to damage his confidence, and they know that at the end of the day that if they are going to be a successful team, they believe they have to do it under the skill set of Jeff Sims, which clearly is higher than Heinrich Harburg or Chubba Purdy. Mm-hmm. I think, based on the, the the mood at the press conferences and how they've been talking, if Jeff is healthy, Jeff is going to play. Because even if it, he has... It's gotten to the point where he's played... I don't want to say so bad because he's done some really good things, but it's gotten to the point where you can sit him and that's okay. Like you can just be like off of play. We're not going to play you and people wouldn't bat an eye to it. That's, that's where you're at right now. And they have this ability to just be like, well, he banged up his ankle and we don't really want to do use it that much. And we don't want to risk anything. And this is a type of injury where you just need rest. So, Jeff's not going to play this week. Jeff's Jeff. We'll we'll have him back next week for LaTeX, uh, but we're going to give Heinrich or Chuba some some run because they haven't really played a whole lot, and this will be you know a potentially good experience for them. And we believe, like we've said all off season, that we can win with them. That's what they could have said. That's not what they said. They said yeah. we don't know. Jeff's still practicing. Just we're going to figure it out. So clearly they want to play him, but but they have a built-in excuse. If he does not play well against Northern Illinois, you officially have a built-in excuse to take him out and put Harburg in and really not damage his confidence or anything like that and just be like, hey, we put you in a little too early. That's on us. He's going to rest again. You know, it just you just clearly wasn't comfortable out there, and we were happy that Heinrich got time. So it, I don't. I don't really know. Like I, I'm not sitting on a soapbox here saying this guy should play or this guy shouldn't play. I believe them when they say that they can beat. They believe that they can win with any of the quarterbacks that they have. I believe them when they, you know, if you're going to play a team with a backup quarterback, you'd like it to be one of the two non-power five teams that you're playing this season. Northern Illinois is one of those teams. So. I'm interested to see what Harburg is, but I think everyone's interested to see what Harburg is until he's, uh, unless he's bad, then you yeah. don't want to see what Harburg right. is, right? Everyone's saying, well, I can't wait to, I want to see him on the field. Well, if he sucks, which I don't think will be the case because he looked pretty good against Colorado. I mean, and, and he was out there for that drive where they went down there and, you know, they scored and he and he had some moments and he's the type of quarterback he is really blends with the type of offense that they want to run. Yeah. So I think that, It'll work out with Harburg. I really do. I believe in Heinrich Harburg. My question to you, though, and, and we'll we'll get to the predictions in a couple minutes here. They didn't really do a whole lot of designed runs last game against Colorado. Yeah, ten, ten carries in the Colorado I think, game. And I think only maybe four of them were yeah. really designed. One of them went for 57 yards. I almost asked them the question, but I didn't I didn't ask them at the press conference because it, it probably might have been a scheme thing against Colorado, but that was something that, that you know, my ears kind of perked up when I saw the game happening and Jeff wasn't getting as, as many designed runs. I'm curious 
what how how they do it because it was such a different contrast to what they were doing against Minnesota to what they were doing with Colorado. So we'll see there. In the case of Chubba Purdy, apparently he had a tweak in the groin. He's doing better now. We might see him today. I really hope. We, I, you know what? I wouldn't mind if we see Chubba Purdy because he's a very talented quarterback, and I would like to see him get a, get have him get another shot because he was really thrown into the wolves last season. He was, but we've also seen what it looks like yeah, when he's that's thrown true. in there. We we haven't seen Harbor. I'd rather see Harbor than Purdy, but Purdy getting some time, it, it, you know, whatever. With with Jeff Sims, I part of the part of the lack of of the design runs and the carries in general from the Colorado game may be in part due to the game situation. Nebraska was down by more or down period. They weren't really down at all in the Minnesota game. Um, they were down by uh, the score and and then two scores eventually, and then he gets hurt and then the game's over pretty much. So that part of it was 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 a, a big reason why you didn't see him getting some of those carries. Uh, that being said, you need to play to your strengths regardless of what the defense gives you sometimes. Like, yeah, there's certain situations where if you've got the perfect play call uh, for a receiver to run a route um, on and, and it, they're showing like a zero blitz, like engage eight, that part of it, you, you do need to call that pass play sometimes. But for the most part, you want to be dictating your style and your play and your scheme to the defense. Absolutely. If they, if they can't do that, what are we even doing here? So if if you've got Jeff Sims, if you've got him as a weapon, as a runner, spread people out, get guys out of the box, and let him run that draw more often. Sprinkle it in you know, a couple times a half, uh, a couple times per game at the very least, and just see if you can bust one like that because they've proven they can do it. You might as well try to do it again. We talked about this as a confidence builder. Uh You'd like to see some of your weapons that really haven't performed all that um, great against these two Power 5 opponents. Get some catches, get some touches, build some confidence. Thomas Fedoni, Billy Kemp looked really good against Colorado, but I think he only got two grabs. Yeah. So you just want to get them more involved. Alex Bullock, he, you know, he, he he's playing really well. It seems like... Tough drop on third down. Yeah, though. so I was about to bring that up. Uh, Gabe Irvin Jr., let's see if Anthony Grant gets it. He got... Did he get a touch? I don't think he got a touch because I kind of zoned out in the fourth quarter. So unless they brought him in and he got a sneaky touch, I don't think he got one meaningful snap during that Colorado game. So we'll see if he's out of the doghouse. And it's going to be interesting. We'll let you know in the next segment how we think it's going to go down. That's right. Our predictions next. And uh, the the other women's team that is uh, really surprising some folks uh, with how good they've been and uh, nationally. Uh, in in terms of that as well. So uh, that and uh, the Husker game tonight, Northern Illinois will give you our predictions right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. We talked a lot about volleyball earlier in the show. If you missed that, definitely check out the podcast with our uh, talk with Jeff Sheldon from Volleyball State. But Another women's sport in the fall here is uh, really taking things on by storm, and it's uh, Nebraska soccer. Uh, first loss of the season, finally, after a 6-0-1 start. Uh, they finally lost to St. Louis on Sunday, 3-2. Uh, to two. But Nebraska is scoring at uh, top 10 nationally clip, uh, fifth in the nation in shots per game before last night's match to Wisconsin. Uh, and assists as well, third in points per game, second in shots on goal per game. Uh, and, and part of the reason why they've gotten this hot start, Eleanor Dale is uh, just she's, – she's scoring all over the place. Uh, five straight braces against uh, – when the, uh, the Huskers lost to St. Louis. That's two goals in a game. Uh, she is leading the country – and the conference in total goals with 12. She's got five game winners. She's got two PKs. She's got two straight Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week honors. Uh, and Nebraska's really got a shot to uh, make some noise in the Big Ten. They've really struggled since they've made this conference switch. Uh, soccer has. Um, they were really good back in the Big 12 days, but they've struggled here. This is uh, this is one of the best teams they've had in the Big Ten era. Yeah, I feel like this this soccer season, Blake, and you'll miss it. You know, after uh, the game yesterday in Wisconsin, they only have nine games left. They're officially in Big Ten play. Going to start jockeying for position uh, in the Big Ten tournament. It's a really good team. 
Uh, hopefully, you had Big Ten Plus so you can watch him uh, throughout the year. But no, it's been exciting. Go over to yeah, absolutely. Well, they do have this. I was looking at their schedule next Thursday, September twenty. Or yeah, would it be wait September twenty eighth? Two dollar hot dogs, two dollar popcorns, and you get a soccer Herbie magnet. That might that um, that might drag me out there. there I mean, I might I might go. I think I'll go out there and watch it because this is a really good team, uh, and it's just easy. It's just easy to root. You know what? Do you know what's crazy, Cole? It's easy to root for good teams. It is? It's easy to root for good teams. Isn't that a crazy, crazy... Is it easier for radio hosts to talk about good teams as opposed to not as good I don't think it's as entertaining. I don't think it's as entertaining. All right, let's talk about... Let's talk about the other team. Here we go. All right, back to the guys. The disappointing guys. Yeah, so uh, Husker football. It is... Hey, be excited. I We're told you to be, I told you to be excited. You weren't. I was the one who was excited. It is the home opener. It is a game in Memorial Stadium tonight, six o'clock kickoff. Nebraska, Northern Illinois. Uh, look, I, I like Nebraska's run game this season. They've been running it well, two hundred one yards per game. Get Sims involved if he's healthy, or Harburg if he's starting, regardless of Sims' health, and and run the ball. Get that design QB run game going. Get Gabe Irvin at least 15 carries again, and and let that offensive line eat. I think that's where their strengths are. I don't think they're as Do you good. think their strengths are at the offensive line? No, 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 no. I oh. said the offensive line's oh. strengths oh. are in the run I thought I was about to. I thought I was about to get you on the Donovan Rayola train. Versus the pass oh. blocking. They look good, by the way, the the – O line, not in not in pass so much, but run. They have they have not been the weak link on the offense. Which they have I thought not. They might be. They have not. Leading into the season, they got good push. They got good push against Colorado, and towards the end, look, they were they were chugging. They were yes. they were clicking. That O line was playing really really well at the end of the Minnesota game until uh, the cough up. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. Um, what do you expect to see? What are you looking forward to uh, forward to seeing uh, defensively for Nebraska in this matchup? Uh, aggressive, fast, multiple looks. Uh, Rocky Lombardi is a really good quarterback uh, for Northern Illinois. He's been playing. He's a professional college football player, as I like to coin them. Seven years he's in college football. He's played Nebraska before. I know. He's, he's seen a lot of different looks. <laughs> and even Matt Rule talked about it. He goes, they go to a lot of different looks because Rocky can do that and he can manage the game really well. Uh, I think he's a solid quarterback. Here's the thing. I always say this when you play these non-Power 5 opponents. The longer you go on without just – putting your foot on the gas and getting up 20 or getting up big, the longer you let a team like that stay in the game, the more they believe. This is a really well-coached Northern Illinois team. They have a really good culture, uh, and they're tough. And they've beaten a Power 5 opponent before in in the ACC when they beat Boston College. So look out for that. I I don't think this is going to be a 55-6 to game, but I do think that Nebraska is going to win. I'm going to say 34-21. to Nebraska takes it. 34 points for this 34, offense. 34 21. I think that they're just going to wear out this Northern Illinois defense. And I think there's going to be a lot of confidence, you know, booming and beaming from this team afterwards. Give me your score prediction. We got to get out of here. Yeah, I, I like Nebraska to win. I, I do. And and I think as long as they're, they, they just commit like two turnovers or less, cut it in half. All right. Just cut it in half, two turnovers or less. Uh, maybe the defense gets one as well. I like Nebraska to get. Three touchdowns, Ayo. and they win twenty-four to ten. All right, that's going to do it for us. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks to Kenny Larrabee for getting us on the KLIN Husker Hour Facebook page. We will be back again. Uh, well, well, we'll be back tonight. We'll uh, give you some content after the game tonight uh, on the uh, on the Facebook page, uh, and then yeah, we'll be back we next be. next Saturday. Uh, will be a 2.30 kick, so we have a full show next Saturday ahead of La Tech. Until then, enjoy the game tonight, and go Big Red.